Hello, I'm Edward Looney, and you are listening to DNA Discoveries. And today we begin Season 2. You might have noticed we took a long break from this show, DNA Discoveries. Last year, I helped six individuals share their story about finding family members through DNA. There's lots of reasons why we didn't continue the podcast then, but here we are, and we're going to tell more wonderful stories of families discovering one another and what that means for each of them. And so today, I'm very excited to be speaking with someone who reached out to me and is really the reason why this podcast is coming back. Her name is Christy, and she has a wonderful story of finding her family after being adopted. And so welcome to DNA Discoveries, Christy. Thank you. So one of the things I I learned from you earlier was that you were adopted, and I know that my mother was adopted, and this is how I have my own DNA discovery story, in a sense, that I discovered that my mother had a biological sister and that I had a first cousin. So my mother always knew she was adopted, and so there never was that interest for her to try to find her birth family. And so it wasn't until my grandmother died that she said, well, now I think I better find everything out because I need to know about health information and all of these things. So that was what began her quest of trying to find her birth mother. And and we eventually did find the birth mother's name and so forth, uh, not through DNA, but just through a little research and getting the birth record unsealed. So I guess for you, as a person who was adopted, at what age did you find out you were adopted? And what did you make of that? And maybe thirdly, what prompted this journey to want to do DNA? Well, I have always known my parents um, spent a lot of time telling us and telling me how special I was that parents uh, generally didn't get to choose their baby. They got what they got, but my parents got to choose me. And so not only did I feel special that I was adopted, and by the way, I was adopted into an incredible two-parent Christian home and had an excellent upbringing. Uh, But not only did I um, know from the beginning, but they even had little books that talked about adoption. And so it wasn't a a secret. We always, I always knew that I was adopted. Because I think there are some people out there that like are adopted, but they believe that their mother and father are their birth parents and they might not find out till they're 14 or 15 that they were adopted and that can be earth shattering. So it seems really good that they allowed you to know this right from the very beginning. So there wasn't any shock. I, I always knew. And, um, when I looked at my parents, I'm very, um, I tan very easily, I have dark eyes, dark hair, and they're both fair and fair eyes. And, uh, you know, so looking at us, we, as a family, it was apparent I was different. I giggle now even looking back. um, Our cousins, my cousins got together, and we had a little family celebration. So they put all the cousins together and there I was, like a sore thumb because they're all pasty white, and I'm I'm very tan. Um, 
so it's always been a giggle, you know, look who's adopted. Can you tell which one? But um, for the most part, I knew and I knew that I was special because they chose me. However, it wasn't something that was brought up on a daily basis. I have um, profound respect for my parents that raised me. And um, as I grew grew older, I, I did have a um, desire to look for my uh, birth family, but I never, ever wanted to uh, offend or hurt my parents' feelings in any way, shape, or form. So I think that that is part of the reason it took me so long to uh, look for my birth family. It's my understanding that your mother passed away in 2016. This is your adoptive mother. And so then you had your adoptive father. Is he still alive? My dad is 87 years old, and... um, He's still going real strong, doesn't live too far from me. And so when I started this whole journey, I I, I uh, went back and forth, back and forth, couldn't decide if I wanted to walk through that door. So when I, I did decide, yes, indeed, I'm going to do this, uh, my mother had passed, and I knew that time was ticking for me to be able to meet my birth parents because they're aging and I'm 55. And so um, I knew that that time was running short. So I went ahead and did my DNA and I found my birth uncle on my mother's side. And so I could see him kind of creep down in my Facebook and his family. And I could see that they were uh, very much like me and so before I made any contact I sat down with my father and I said I have found my birth family and I will not contact them unless I have your blessing and he of course gave me his blessing so that's how I started the initial journey And that's wonderful. So he acknowledged, he realized that, well, this is important for you to know really who you are, where you come from. And so you're reaching out in that capacity to these people. And he was okay with it. And maybe in a sense, he realized, I'm not going to be here for a long time, but yet she can still have more family that she can be with for the rest of her life. So what what a blessing that was for him to give you that, that blessing, as you mentioned. Now, so you found the birth uncle, and you obviously have to trace through there. Okay, so that this would be my mother's brothers. So I have to figure out who my mother is from his his relations. Now, how do you reach out to him? Do you just send him a message through Ancestry DNA or Twenty Three and Me, or what? What was that process of, of contacting him like? Well, initially, I asked for a search angel um, through D- through Ancestry or through my DNA, and I have reached out to a cousin who in turn put me in contact with the quote-unquote family uh, genealogy guru. She was amazing. She happened to be my uncle's cousin, which in turn puts me, you know, we're related way down the line, but... We are related. And so 
I gave her permission to build out my tree on Ancestry. And within four days, she had identified my uncle uh, and my who my mother had to be. Sure. And so at that point, I didn't know what to do. And being a person that likes to contemplate things, I decided I would sit down and write my birth mother, Mara, a letter. And I poured my heart and soul out in this letter. I told her about my upbringing. I um, explained who I am now, um, that I'm a retired teacher, and I have uh, one daughter and my husband. I explained our life. Um, I included pictures. And as an adoptee, you always think that the birth mother is sitting in some home somewhere waiting for you to burst through the door and say, here I am. And that's not always the case. So Mary got my letter, and she responded within a note card. And if you can picture this, I have very scrolling handwriting, and I had written on this beautiful pink paper, and it was probably six pages long, and I get a note card back. So you can understand how I felt defeated. Sure. Um, she, she mentioned in her card that she could tell that she had made the right choice, she spent um, time with our Division of Family Services, making sure I went to, a, to you know a good home. That was something she really wanted. Um, she said, asked me to understand her heart and that me being in her life would be very disruptive in her life and that we were not to communicate. So not only did I, was I in essence, rejected at birth, but then with this, you know, beautiful letter and all my, all my heart into it, and then she said, she rejected me again, in essence, and so I felt defeated, and it took me, I think that was August of 2016, so by December, right right before my birthday is the 16th of December, and right around December 1st, my daughter encouraged me to write my uncle. And he, so I learned my lesson. I wasn't going to pour my whole heart and soul out, uh, but I, I was very honest in the letter. I explained who I was, who my mother is, um, and being that she had confirmed that in, two, in the two note cards that I did get, um, uh, you know, that she indeed was my mother. And that made him my uncle. And I showed him a picture, sent some pictures, and I mailed it. He lives... Um, in the Kansas City area, which is about three hours from our home. And I mailed it, 
And by the following Friday, his children started asking to be my friend on Facebook. And they reached out to me and um, asked me questions, which we've all watched Dateline. I'm a little weary of people. I didn't need a lung or uh, lung trans, you know, or liver or anything. I just wanted to know who my family was and where I came from. So my Uncle Chuck uh, responded on that following Saturday with the most beautiful, heartwarming text I've ever received. And he told me that family was family and that he couldn't wait to meet me. And so at that point, anybody that's adopted has that hole in their heart. You know, there's a little piece missing and I got to plug up part of that hole. That that text did that for me. He's an amazing man. Wow, that is incredible that, you know, for them to reach out and everything like that. And as you were kind of relating how you found your mother, and that was through the birth uncle, I couldn't help but think of my own story. Because when I did the ancestry DNA, you know, I sent off my, my spit in the tube and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and, and um, I, I had no idea about this whole like, okay, we're going to pair you with relatives. I just want to know if I was Irish or not, really. That was the only right. reason I did it. And so here I was. I was, on, I, I was on vacation. I was in a hotel elevator. I get this email as I'm checking my email going up to my room, and, and it's like from a person that said, hey, we are related, and we're related <laughs> on this side of family, and I don't know how you're connected, but please let me know. And and I ended up, you know, I know I knew who my mother's biological fa- mother was, but I didn't know who her father was. And so it was actually through this woman that contacted me that I found my my mother's father. And so she took my raw DNA. We met up somewhere uh, down south uh, in, in the state, and and she took my raw DNA and put it into this program. And this is probably what you're search angel did and then calculated how the pro- the probability of the four siblings yes. and so it was like 95% certain that this individual was my mother's father so that was uh, incredible in a sense to realize that there's all of these programs out there and people know what they're doing and they can really help people like you to find your family because your mother, your birth mother didn't do the ancestry test, but he did. And because he did, it helped you find her. Yes. One of the things I'm curious about, you found your biological mother, you wrote her a letter, you poured out your heart, she replied with a note card, you felt defeated, you were disappointed by the response, you realized she wasn't going to be in your life as much as you would have hoped, but yet now you know who she is. Did she share anything about her own life with you? Do do you know, for example, did she go on to get married? Does she have a family? Does she have children? Do you know those answers? Well, I wouldn't know if it wasn't for my Uncle Chuck. So in in the first correspondence with Mara, she was, you know, there was nothing. There were no details. I even asked for my father's name, and um, I, I sent her a second 
letter stating that I get what, you know, that she doesn't want to be contacted. I understand that. But I do have a right to know my father's name. And she said, the person you're looking for, and then she scribbled. So you couldn't even read who it was. So I, you know, eventually I showed my uncle, but no one knew what, who that was. It was very easy for me to find my birth mother, but not so much my birth father. I will say that when um, he got my Uncle Chuck, received the letter, he shared it with his kids, and he has three adult children, and they're the ones that friended me on Facebook, and they asked me how soon I could come to Kansas City. So December 16th of that year, uh, which was my birthday, I got to meet my cousins. We met at a restaurant in um, Kansas City area, and the, uh, he has two boys and a, a girl. And so Sarah had gone to their home and literally taken all the family pictures <laughs> off the wall and put it in a big box and carted it into the restaurant. My uncle Chuck had to be out of town that weekend, but the cousins wanted to meet me so bad. I agreed. And as long as we had his blessing. So uh, we met and one of the most surreal things to me was for 50 some years, I had seen my life through my eyes only. And here I'm sitting with three adults that are staring at me. Of course, they had a million and one questions, but they watched everything I did. They listened to my voice because apparently I speak like my birth mother. Hmm. Uh, they watched my hands and my face and they were just in awe because they had lived their whole lives not knowing that I existed. One of those young men thought his whole life he was the oldest grandchild until I ruined that for him. <laughs> and so it made me take a step back and think this really isn't just all about me. It's about a lot of people and how it affects them. And so that was the first um, really introspective um, moment I had concerning this, that it does, it does affect a lot of people. It's like the proverbial throwing the pebble in the pond and all the ripples. And I, I just didn't see that because I was so consumed with myself. That year, um, on December 28th of that year, my Uncle Chad drove from Kansas City down to our home, and we had lunch. And A little Christmas um, celebration. I, uh, yes, he called me his Christmas miracle. Aww. So he came in, and I opened the door, and I'm a, a person of a lot of words, <laughs> At that moment, I had no words. I, I, I couldn't. It was a culmination of something that I'd wanted since childhood. But here it was, right on my doorstep. And he's such a kind man. And he comes in, 
and he grabs my face, not, you know, puts, cups his hands in my face, and he said, oh, my gosh, you look just like my mama, and I, we're, I'm crying, he's crying, it was just such a special moment, and we sat, and we talked for about five hours oh, of wow. how this might have all transpired, why he wouldn't have known where he he was in the service. He was at John Brown University uh, when I was born. Um, the things that happened to Mara to cause her to be in this situation. So we kind of discovered all those things together. I resonate with a lot of what you just shared because you mentioned when you got together with the cousins that they said, oh, you talk just like your mother or whatever. Now, when I met my cousin for the very first time, we went out to eat. Her husband came with and I was literally sitting at this table. I was looking at her and I'm like, I feel like I'm looking at a mirror and I'm a woman, you know, just because I thought we looked a lot alike. And then <laughs> she was speaking and she said something. I'm like, I say that same phrase. I'm like, we've never met before, <laughs> you know? So there was something yeah. there. And and it was funny because yeah. I then celebrated Christmas with them that, that year. And, and her husband told me, you know, when it was so creepy for me when we we were at that table because you were you talked just like her and everything like that. So so it's amazing, you know, when you meet people like that and you can detect those things right away. Now, I maybe two questions here. The first is, did did your uncle ever tell you why he chose to do the DNA test? Because just think about it, if he didn't do it, He's your denominator, so if he didn't do it, then you would be relying even on further out DNA trying to identify. So did he ever share why he did that? And then secondly, this was 2016, you're meeting your uncle for the first time. It's 2021. Has that relationship continued with him and with the cousins? I'm so glad you asked both of those questions. My Aunt Susie, which is his wife, she bought him the ancestry test as a um, as a gift, and she did so because he's a huge history buff. Um, so he I wanted to see if he was related to a king of history or something like that. <laughs> well, honestly, they had always heard that they had Native American in their in their bloodlines, and. So that was one of the quests he was on to see if that that happened and or that was so and um, he got more than what he bargained for because I popped up like toast. But yes, that's initially how and if she hadn't bought that gift, we would never have met. An interesting thing too is we had a lake here in Southwest Missouri. And uh, my husband and I had uh, a boat down at a dock on the lake. And my uncle Chuck had a lake house. And keep in mind, this lake is pretty large. He had a lake house not very far from our dock. So we are quite certain we were on the same dock, fueling, passing each other, having no clue who we were, who each other were. Isn't that strange? Wow, yeah. 
your paths had yeah. already crossed, but you didn't realize yes. that you were family. Yes. So, uh, in answer to your question, if we still get together, uh, prior to COVID, we tried to see each other once a month, and then that kind nice. of put a damper on that. But um, we uh, just this past weekend, we had. My Uncle Chuck and Aunt Susie and their three kids and spouses and my Uncle Chuck's grandkids, my daughter and her kids uh, came from Oklahoma and we were all here for a huge cookout and swim party and we had just the best time. Wonderful. Yeah, that's great. You know, um, that you still have that connection, that you're still getting together that really you have found family forever that that they're going to be a part of your life and and these are the great stories and, and they're i have to acknowledge there are stories of people i've read them and kind of like you reaching out to your mother and she kind of snubbing you in a sense but but yet there are you know some of those other aspects that come out then so there are happy endings to bad stories like this but there are some mm -hmm. that, that do reach out and and unfortunately they never get a response the mother never replies or the dad never replies they return their mm -hmm. mail to sender and and that's disheartening so i'm so happy that you have such a happy ending to your search and to your story I think, too, for people that are searching, you know, initially all I could think about was I wanted to to connect with my birth mother, but sometimes the lesson is, and, and I feel like God said, Uncle Chuck in my path, that there's someone in that family that, that most likely will connect with you, and that person can fill that home for you, and I... I am forever thankful for my uncle Chuck. He is an incredible man. Uh, at one point after we had met, he came back down and my dad came over and we had, um, we had a meal together and he thanked my dad for raising me. He's just an incredible person oh. and I'm so lucky because he's as incredible as my, my adoptive father. I'm just really blessed. I'm wondering if there's hope for your story with your mother, because what you shared with me in writing uh, when you related a lot of the story was that your mother, your birth mother, that her husband is in frail health and she was just afraid to let you in because maybe that would cause something bad to happen to him. So perhaps she'll reach out when she's comfortable and when she's ready to welcome you into her life. So there's always that hope, I would think, from your story. Oh, oh yes. And we write. Uh, Mara and I do write. I'm not sure how she explains me, but uh, we do write. And I send her pictures of her granddaughter and her great-grandchildren and um, most definitely today, I put a letter in the mail for her uh, that had pictures from our cookout. And so she will see um, see all of us as a family and, and know. And, I, you know, part of me thinks that she realizes now that she's missing out, too. So hopefully one of those one of these days that tide will turn and she will. Sure. We can hope for that for really the best ending to this story that already has a wonderful ending. 
right now as you live through it uh, continually. So one of the things too, uh, I guess I'm just curious, of course, you're married, you have children. What has been their reaction to all of this? They're obviously very supportive and, and what do they make of it all? Well, my husband is, um, he comes from a large Catholic family. He's one of 10 children. So, and he's the baby. Um, so this was all really surreal to him to not know your family because family is so important in, in his family, you know, um, dissatisfaction. So it has been, um, eye-opening. He's been incredibly, um, incredibly supportive. My daughter is, um, probably without Kayla, I would not have written a letter to my uncle Chuck. Um, she encouraged me not to be someone secret and, um, and I, and I really embraced that. It was a, a little nerve-wracking at first, but I, I just refused to be someone's secret. Uh, I, I'm here, and I'm worthy of someone knowing me and that family. And Kayla has been instrumental in um, gently pushing me in that direction. So uh, Kayla and her husband are military, so they have lived all over, and um, she doesn't always get to spend as much time with with uh, Uncle Chuck and the and my cousins as she would like, and so she doesn't hasn't had the opportunity to really get to know them very well, and so we're working on that. But just being together and seeing the similarities and um, looking at the family picture we took this weekend and seeing resemblance of even Kayla with with them is is incredible. So, yes, that both my husband and my daughter are incredibly supportive in this. Well, that's wonderful. And it, it's the unification of families for you as as. You have your own family. You're bringing that family to this new family that you found, and it's so wonderful. And I'm so happy that you listened, you found DNA Discoveries, and that you wrote that message saying you had a story and you wanted to share it because I've so much enjoyed our conversation today. And I hope that the people who listen to this, the people that find it like you did, are inspired by your story and that that as you share your story with others, maybe your family and your friends, that they'll also take this story to heart. Yes, I, I think it's worth that the uh, risk of stepping out and finding family, I think it's, it's worth the risk. For sure. Well, today on DNA Discoveries, we have been talking with Christy. And on this podcast, I'll bring you more stories like Christy's to inspire you in your search as you look for family as you do your DNA testing. If you want, please help me out. If you have a story that you'd like to tell, I'd love for you to email me. You can do so through the show page website, dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm. 
And so share with me your own story, and I'll reach out to you for a possible interview. That would be very helpful. If you've read a story online of someone, maybe it was in a press, in some sort of online article or newspaper, please share that link with me. Send it to me. Find me on social media, and I would be happy to try to interview those people as well. This podcast can only exist with help from others like you. So thanks for subscribing. Thanks for following it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, I'm Edward Looney for DNA Discoveries, and I'll bring you another story real soon.